Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest estates these days. This representation of storm brewing amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. That's exactly what the Mastering 40 episodes are all about. I'm so excited to bring them to you. I realized the other day that if someone's new to these episodes, then they're probably wondering, like, what the <laughs> what the heck are these? Um, basically, Mastering 40 is very simple. I'm going to start doing these intros every single time for anyone who's listening who's fairly new. Um, basically, here's the deal. Last summer, 2020, I was in a rut. I'd gained a lot of weight. I was as unfit as I've ever been. Most of it was related to injury, but there were plenty of bad choices mixed in there. And I decided, you know what? I want to break 40 into 10K. I've never done it. It's a huge stretch goal for me, but something that I think I can accomplish if I do everything that I need to do. In addition, not only is it called Mastering 40 because I want to break 40 in the 10K, but also I'm turning 40 this month, late January. So I'll be breaking 40 at age 40, or at least that's the goal. And that's what I'm trying to do. The idea is doing it this summer, summer of 2021. We are here, new year. Let's make it happen. Before we do, let's give a shout out to our Mastering 40 sponsors. These guys are there every step of the way, the entire journey. First one up, Tracksmith. Gosh, I love the Tracksmith brand. It's the best attire that I own. No doubt about it. I mean, they give me a little bit of a discount personally. Because of this, this, um, you know, the sponsorship deal that I, I'm doing with them, I am ex- far exceeding, <laughs> far exceeding any amount that they would normally give me. I'm buying stuff all the time from Tracksmith. It's great. I literally just opened up and am now wearing the Bizlet jacket from Tracksmith. It's great. It's for cold weather. It's Oh, God, this thing is fantastic. No doubt about it. I'm so excited to wear it. I'm going to wear it tomorrow morning on my early morning run. It's going to be cold, and that's exactly why I bought it. In addition to that, they have a whole new series called the NDO series. If you go to tracksmithrunning.com, um, if you go to tracksmithrunning.com forward slash rambling runner, you save $15 on your first order over $75. But what you'll see is the NDO series stands for no days off. That doesn't mean, hey, runners shouldn't take a day off. That's not what they're saying. What they're saying is you should never take a day off because of weather. And they back it up. This no day off series is legit. Not only is it tops and bottoms, you got tons of accessories, hats, mittens, so on and so forth. They bring it. And hey, they're based out of Boston. So they know what cold weather is all about. They have gear for every season. Go check them out. Tracksmith.com. Tracksmith.com forward slash rambling runner or just use code rambling runner check out to save $15 on your first order of $75 or more so this episode really simple we thought December was going to go a certain way if you listen to the last episode it was like all right here we're going to get into it or start getting to 40 mile weeks new level for me can't wait this is an exciting development well as you're going to hear in a second that is not what happened and that's why I'm so excited to be doing this journey because These are like the little crazy things that happen to all of us that you can't see coming. And then all of a sudden it's here and progress is not linear. But with all of that being said, progress is being made, as you'll hear in a second. So let's get into it with both James and Adrian. And if you're new to here, I should say this. James McCurdy is my running coach. He's also the the founder of McCurdy Trained. He now runs it with his wife, Heather McCurdy. And Adrian Langelier is a 
sports psychologist, and so much more. And you'll, you'll see basically links to the, to all things Adrian and James in the show notes if you want to go check them out. James, my man, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good, my friend. How are you? I'm doing well. So I, it's funny. I just uh, had to look back at our show notes from our last conversation. <laughs> this feels like it's been a lot longer than it actually has been. I'm like, wait, where, where, where did we leave off? I can't even remember. It was only like three weeks ago. And I feel like I was, I've been so, this has been a wild three weeks on my end. Like I've completely lost track of all things. Well, you know, you got Christmas, you got New Year's, uh, you got the life ex- crap that happens inside of that end of the year stuff, all of it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And it's, uh, and beyond that, it's just, I'll just dive into it. So like last time we talked, we, you know, we're talking about like, Hey, it took like a little down week in part because of an injury, but we were planning on having a low key week anyway. And then we're going to amp up the miles to like, you know, pretty close to 40 mile weeks. And this was kind of an exciting new, new, uh, new level for me from a training perspective. And then <laughs> and all sorts of stuff happened. So my wife like had just the busiest season of being a teacher that I've ever seen her have. So she was working crazy long days and it was wild. And then um, we also had our, our dog was scheduled to be neutered in October and then it got pushed back to December um, because of a COVID scare with my daughter. And um, so the dog was neutered and all of a sudden he needed 24 seven attention. So it was like the kids were at home were homeschooling. The dog needed 24-7 attention, and my wife was completely overburdened with her own work, and I, like, got nothing done. Like, I was, like, um, my running, like, was, like, half of what it should have been in terms of, like, when I say should have been, like, if you look at the schedule, what the schedule said, and I didn't even come close to getting four miles a week. I was basically lucky to get 20 in uh, during some of those weeks. And yeah, it was a crazy, crazy time. And it was, uh, one of those things where I couldn't even, it was so busy that I, there wasn't even this moment of like, oh man, like I wish I'd get my run in. Like I was just like so all over the place. Yeah. You know what though? Like, I mean, it, yeah, of course I would have loved for you to have been able to run more, but you didn't really miss anything, you know, like you're able to get right back into it. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. And that, you know, this past week or so, it definitely feels like, there wasn't a hiccup by any means. Um, and, and, you know, when I look at this week moving forward, like I was talking to my wife last night about this, like, it was like, Oh my gosh, like things are getting real now because it was like the first time. And I don't know, maybe, hmm, maybe eight years, I think almost exactly eight years ago. Um, where like a seven mile run is like my, my, just my easy day. That's how far I go on a typical easy day run. And that's what I had to do today. And it has been so long since that was the case. I remember this vividly because we, um, were at my in, my mother, my in-laws house, which is directly across the street from the house I'm in now. Um, because we were redoing our kitchen and my wife was pregnant at the time. And we were just, we were worried about all the dust and the fumes and all that stuff. And that was the last time that I was at that level. And it was, it was actually, <clears throat> excuse me, I actually was training so much that I'd actually overtrained 
getting ready for a marathon. So I was, you know, doing, you know, a pretty good amount of miles. I'm sure I wasn't sleeping enough. And then I ran a half marathon, I actually sent my half marathon PR of one, just breaking just under 132 at the New Bedford half, which is a, a big race up here in New England. Um, I'm sure most people haven't heard of it, but it's, it's definitely one of the, the premier races in New England. And like every 130, again, broke 132. I think I finished like 800th. <laughs> Something like that. Like, like that wasn't even close to, to you know, just like how many people are, were, were doing well in that race. And, um, and then I didn't even get to the marathon because after that, I completely crashed. But I think it's all the way back then since a seven mile run was just the typical easy day run. So for me, it's like this whole new level in terms of, you know, the recent past. Well, I think one, one way to look at the running now compared to where we were, say, three, four, five months ago, is we you know we had this conversation way back when, I think it was in August, maybe July. I, actually, I think I was in, um, I think I was in Telluride with Heather. Um, I was sitting on a, on a, on a coffee shop bench and we were talking about how we're going to try to build up the long runs a little bit. And at some point, uh, we're going to get to a point where your long run becomes your normal easy run. Well, you're, you're there now. Like, yeah, it's seven miles, but it's 60 minutes of running. Your normal easy run at this point is going to be anywhere from 50 to 65 minutes because you're ready for that to be a normal, easy run, right? Like you've been working hard. Yeah, you might've missed a little bit here or there. You had to take a little bit of time off. That was unexpected, but it wasn't, it wasn't a lot and it wasn't enough to like really affect your fitness level. It might take a, a week or so to get back feeling like a human again. But the fact is that anywhere from 50 to 65 minutes is gonna feel like a normal, easy run for you. And it's gonna have the same impact that, 30 minutes used to have. Yeah. Yeah. And in addition to that, I'm also noticing a, a huge difference in terms of the speed that I can carry for those longer distances. So like today was this great example. So today ran seven miles this morning and you got, I just talked about, you know, how rare that is for me. Um, and it's funny, like the last three miles, I, I, I decided to throw in a couple strides at the end uh, as I was finishing the last half mile. And even before then, you know, I think the last three miles was like 840, 840, 840. And I wasn't trying to do that. Again, the last mile is going to be a little different because I got, I did like just some rolling strides, but um, that wasn't the, the point. In fact, there were times where I kind of like really tried to like downshift a little bit because like I wasn't looking at this, the other thing. I wasn't looking at my watch. Like my watch was on so that I made sure that I ran the correct distance, but it was underneath my jacket. And I could just hear beeping at the mile marks. And I, I, I want to talk to you about pace real quick here because now I'm now at a point before it was like, hey, just running 45 minutes. Like that was just kind of like the goal. And like for me, it was like, just the time on feet was the issue. I didn't really have to worry about pace because I was just trying to improve my fitness level to the point where I could complete these runs and not crash afterwards. Now, like I'm definitely getting to the point of, all right, like completing these runs is no longer an issue. Even if you're you know running six days in a row, uh, now it's more of like making sure that you don't overcook yourself and, you know, being prepared for the harder days. So that's, that's the key, right? That is the key is making sure that, so it's interesting. Um, I have some athletes who I almost have to yell at them to slow down uh, because their easy runs will get a little bit too close to their marathon, right? Meaning their marathon intensity. And what's interesting about that is a, a single mile at marathon isn't hard. We're talking about 
uh, for an athlete who, who would be trained for it. Um, and, and any athlete is in shape. If you're running a single mile at marathon intensity, that that's not going to be hard because you should be able to manage that for somewhere around two and a half to four and a half hours, depending on who you are. So if you're only going to run a single mile at an intensity that you could run for say on average three and a half or four hours, why would that even be hard? But the problem is, is that if you run too many miles close to that intensity, you're not actually getting recovery. So we do want to make sure that the easy runs do stay in a realm of easy pace. Now, let's take an example of a professional runner. Um, in a professional runner, say uh, a professional male marathoner, their marathon pace is going to be around five minutes flat. You wouldn't see too many professional runners finishing their last four or five or six miles of an easy run at 510 and calling that an easy day, right? Like they would consider that to be pretty hard work because it's pretty close to marathon. It's like, yeah, you got to work for that. Um, but on the, on the slower end of the spectrum, it can be very easy uh, to get nearer to marathon. Now I'm not saying that you need to be X amount of minutes slower than marathon, but I would say 45 seconds to 90 seconds, somewhere in that realm makes a lot of sense for an athlete in your position. And what I mean by that is someone who could probably run a 10K around 7.15 per mile right now. Uh, that means a half marathon is around 140, 142, somewhere in that range for the mileage you're running. I, I believe that's where you are. So I don't think that 8.40 necessarily is too fast. But I certainly wouldn't want to see 8.30, 8.25 sneak in there. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, as you know, I think about some of the athletes I coach the same way uh, in terms of like making sure that they, you know, it's, it's so easy, especially when, you know, running at the faster end of easy pace can just feel it just feels better. Oftentimes, like your your stride is a little more opened up, and because it's not all that difficult, it can just it can just be easier to flow, especially if you're not sore or you're properly rested. It, you know, for usually it's, it just it just feels better to run at the ease the, the faster end of easy. At least, um, at least that's been my experience. That's for sure. It um, can definitely feel like that when you are, um, I would say, keeping the mileage and the volume pretty low. Right. Like if you're only running five or six days a week, it's a lot easier to feel like the faster end of easy is, uh, or even faster than normal easy running is going to feel quote unquote appropriate. But when that volume starts to get a little higher, you actually want to scale that back even more. It's why more, more professional runners run their easy runs around seven minute male runners, you know, six fifty seven minute pace uh, versus that 45 to 60 second window of marathon. They're not running their easy runs at six flat. Most of the time, they're probably going to be closer to six fifty seven minute. So the more volume you run it, the more important it is to, to run a little bit slower, but your volume isn't that high right now. No, it isn't. Uh, the other thing is I'm talking, uh, you know, we talk about the average pace and I think there can also be variances within these runs because, you know, I'm, re I'm basically rereading this book that I just read last month. I say, when I say read, I'm talking about listen. I'm, I'm a huge audible person. I haven't probably read a book besides a child, a children's book in like five years, but listen to a book called Out of Thin Air, which is this guy who's a 66 minute half marathon, 219 marathoner, uh, went, went, 
and he's a sociologist, went and lived uh, in Addis Ababa for two years and ran with the Moyo sport team and basically did like a study of, of the team. And it's a really, really good book. Um, especially so many people have, have followed the, some of the runners in E10. Um, whereas the Ethiopian runners often aren't as chronicled as some of the, um, Kenyan runners in part because they don't, a lot of them don't speak English. So you have to, uh, learn the, some of the local languages and local dialects. It's just, it's just harder. So if you could choose one, oftentimes, you know, documentarians and people who are, who are, you know, doing long form work tend to go to E10. For that, for that reason. So anyway, there's so much to talk about in this book. But one of the th- big things they talk about all the time is how easy runs aren't that like, hey, when I go for an easy run, I run nine minute pace and it's pretty uniform throughout. Like they talk about like these guys, these people. And I say guys because it's a local custom there where like a male journalist shouldn't be inter- interacting with women. It's just like, that's not culturally appropriate. So when I say guys, I'm, I'm literally referring to, to dudes at this point. So like the guys will like, they'll start an easy run of, of a 70 minute easy run at like six minute per 1K pace. And they'll finish it at like 350 per K. You know, it's just like this slow progression. Again, this is at altitude as well. But again, this, this slow build up throughout and at a very different level i'm kind of taking that approach as well like really styling it back early in and then just kind of loosening up as i go yeah i think we we can get i mean that's the disadvantage of having a watch is being i don't want to just being too focused on what is my watch day uh but it is important to recognize what am i am i appropriate you know i think uh, a professional runner knows their body a little bit more uh they certainly should uh than the novice runner um and they can they can show more restraint because of their experience and and the focus points of what it is they're trying to accomplish. Whereas a novice runner um, almost feels like they need to work hard at everything they do all the time, and they don't feel like they're getting enough done unless they're running the volume, uh, high volume, or or running fast enough. Um, so that there is like this weird kind of in between where. You don't want to be so focused on the watch that it's going to ruin your run and, and the enjoyment factor of it. But at the same time, you really should understand what it is you're running to make sure that it, it, it's fitting the, uh, the the realm of what it is you're trying to accomplish that day. Right. Okay. So let's talk about, let's, let's just change subject here a little bit. And I don't mean to like completely direct this. You're the coach. I'm the athlete. But <laughs> it. So the last time I raced, put in a race effort, again, it was races in quotes here. This was a time trial was November 15th. So that was the 10K that we chronicled here. Uh, the plan was to do a mile time trial, I think two weeks later, but that's when I got hurt. So that was derailed. Um, again, we're I'm looking at my schedule now. We have it built out to January 17th. So that's, you know, two weeks out. So when, when and for how long should I start, start thinking about, you know, you know, either doing time trials or finding some sort of, um, race environment to test myself in again? Cause soon we'll be coming up on two months of not doing it. And I know that as I talked with Sir Bishop earlier in this year, and I think it was one of the quotes that we pulled for the best of 2020 episode. And I thought it was really, you know, really incisive for so many people was the idea of like that racing is a skill in, in and of itself. Yes. You know, not just a test of fitness, but learning how to race is a skill. So with that in mind, what should I be thinking about in terms of, you know, either looking for things locally or just from a time trial perspective uh, to start putting stuff on the calendar? Yeah. So if, if you can find something that's, that's safe, 
COVID protocols in place uh, and local, uh, then I would love to see anywhere from a 5K to a 10K um, somewhere between January 31st and February 14th or so, that that two to three weekend window. Um, but if not, if nothing's available, you're going to do one anyway. Um, so that's that's kind of what's happening. I got you slated in my mind, as long as all goes well, we're going to do a 5K effort uh, on the 31st, and then we're going to do a 10K time trial once more on February 14th. Um, and that's that's a lot sooner in the block than we did before, but you're not the same athlete that you were before. So we can do things. You're a much healthier version of yourself now than you were. Uh, you're a lot stronger. The, the volume is going to be there. And I mean, even still, you took a little bit of time off, but even still, you're knocking things out of the park. So regardless of how the 5K goes on the 31st, I'm going to give you a 10K time trial uh, some, some probably on the weekend of the 14th. Got it. All right. That looks good. Um, what is your, what are your thoughts on, you know, you know, there are runners locally that I know who might be interested in doing something similar to that, like, you know, catching up with a runner or two and doing it like a mini group effort versus just going completely solo. If there's no, you know, not, not sanctioned races, but no, no real races to enter. Yeah. So that, that plays a, a, a lot of that has to do with the COVID protocols that are in place. Um, Honestly, personally, I wouldn't meet up with anybody that hasn't tested negative. I just wouldn't do it. I, I just wouldn't do it. So I wouldn't feel comfortable uh, going out and running with, with individuals that, uh, that don't take this seriously. So if, if you have some folks that you know that are taking this seriously, um, that are testing negative uh, or testing regularly, if, if available to them, awesome, great. Let's get them involved, a pacer, whatever. That'd be fine. But if you don't, then uh, you don't need it anyway. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to circle back to something that we talked about in the past. Uh, after my 10K effort, I got hurt in part because of the shoes I was wearing and you know how long I was wearing them sprained the deltoid ligament on the medial side of my right ankle. Now, that was a weird moment for me because I wore those shoes, the endorphin speeds, which are like everyone's shoe of 2020. If you look at any shoe list, it's like the best shoe of 2020 is the endorphin speed. Again, shoes are, are personal, are personal. Not every shoe works for everybody. I'm like, I got to give these things another try. Like, what? These are literally the best shoes in, in, in the country or in the world. And I have them in my closet and I'm not using them. So, and again, because I had used them for the 5K time trial on the track and they were fine. So I actually used them for my last track workout. Okay. And they were again fine again. So now I'm like, all right, so now these are just me and my track shoes now. Like I, I I'm not I'm a little gun shy um about taking them on the roads and running in them for like an hour again because I just don't want to go through that process again of like dealing with another injury. But it was nice to like at least have a positive experience in them once again, considering that they are high quality shoes and you know, they did I'm getting them for free and you know, I, I uh, at least had a positive first experience in them uh, already. Well, what I would do is I would start wearing them for all the all the major speed sessions. You know, you warm up in your training shoes, you change into the racing shoes for the workout, and you cool down in your training shoes. I would do that for tomorrow's session, the uh, the six hundred meter repeats we have. I would do that for the the marathon fartlek in intensity run that we have on Saturday. Uh, I would do that for next week's session, which I'm going to be changing. I, I just didn't like it. Um, 
I, I kind of put in some, some, uh, some efforts into your calendar. I'm like, ah, as I'm looking at, it, I'm like, this it's just not hard enough. So don't worry about next week's calendar. I'm actually going to go in there and delete those speed sessions anyway, and give you something a little bit more fitting to where you are. Um, yeah. So you know, I talked about this in a podcast, not a podcast, but a post I did today, on Instagram, I talked about it with Allie. I am down, right? I did lose 13 pounds from 192 ish to 179. And again, that's, let me put it this way. When we first started working together, I was like 167. So I'm not like, and even then I was like, ah, I could lose a little bit here. I'm not still quite where I want to be, but I'm not going to focus on that right now. Um, just, I'm just saying that to put that in perspective of how much weight I've gained during, <laughs> during the past year, I gained like 20 pounds. Um, so those, so losing that weight definitely has an impact on me for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. But you're doing it in a healthy way. And I think that's really the, the most important aspect to recognize is that you feel good. You're enjoying the food that you're eating and it's still providing you an opportunity to find success with, with workouts and training. Uh, at the same time, you don't feel like you're starving yourself. No, not at all. Um, and it's, it's definitely been, been a huge benefit for me. You know, I, I think the beginning of this process, I was going through this, this, this diet plan where not that it was wrong. It just wasn't a good fit for me of the idea of like, all right, you, you do love to snack. So if we have bigger meals, then you won't snack as much. And then you'll only be eating healthy foods. And then we'll go from there. The problem was, is that I was eating these bigger meals and then I still wanted to snack desperately. It had like no effect on my need to snack. In fact, it was almost that like my, my stomach got stretched out to the point where like it just wanted more food all the time. Whereas like, I guess for me, just having smaller meals and then also snacking but and then snacking appropriately which you know i learned how to do much better job of um in some ways just kind of like went back to how i'd snacked in the past and done a good job of it has definitely kind of been the sweet spot for me and that i think ultimately was a was a better fit yeah and it's gonna be less stress in your body and you're just gonna continue to feel well uh feel really strong um no i think you, you you've been doing a lot of the right things over the last few months that maybe you weren't really fully bought into when you first started the project. You know, you wanted to get there, but you just weren't there yet. And now you are, and that's good. And you're seeing the benefits of making those choices. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It really is exciting. And to the point where it's, it's, um, you know, I feel like, the the growth rate now it just feels like yeah, I know I know it won't necessarily be this way forever but it just feel like I'm just you know getting better kind of week after week and that's that's an exciting thing because that that can help build momentum again I'm not expecting it to be like that for the next six months or anything like that Lord knows but I also understand that it does feel like I'm getting into this groove of I'm able to recapture where I was a lot easier than I had in the preceding few months. And, and that, that, that feels different. You're going to, you're going to see this, this climb. So my plan of attack from a training standpoint, um, we're going to kind of hold this 40, 45 miles a week. That's going to be the goal. That's going to be a focus point. The long run is going to start to get a little bit longer, but we're probably going to cap out, uh, around 90 to 95 minutes, right. As a long run. Um, but the, the, the workout volume is going to be anywhere from, depending on the type of intensity, really, really fast, really, really hard intensity might be, say, a mile and a half worth of work, upwards of five to six miles worth of volume if it's a little bit lighter in intensity, uh, and maybe like half marathon, marathon type work, and anywhere in between. 
but we'll, we'll be able to, to accomplish one day a week off. If we need to be on the treadmill, we'll, we'll adjust. You'll, you'll adjust to the treadmill and based off of time. Uh, and then we're just going to try to manage, uh, manage the calendar and the schedule uh, to kind of stay within 40 to 45 miles a week for honestly, probably close to eight to 10 weeks. That's exciting. Yeah. Cause even when I was marathon training, that's pretty much where I'd keep, I would be capped out at. Um, and that was, you know, that's when I was running before work. So I'd be like, all right, it's hard for me to run for more than an hour before work during the week. That was just, you know, even when I was without kids, it was like, all right, like, Yes. So again, that's just where I was mentally. Um, it didn't have to be that way. This what that's the way I guess I chose it to be. But um, no, that's exciting for sure. And you have to think about a workout we had last week where like again, I normally wouldn't do this. We had on the calendar four thirty-eight per K, kind of like five, five one K repeats, two minute break in between, four thirty-eight per K uh for each. And I just felt really good. And one of those things where like, I meant to, you know, I had no intention of like trying to beat the workout. Like I've done that many days in my, in my past, especially in my twenties, this desire like, all right, coach put this. That means I need to beat that. Almost like you see a speed limit sign on the road. You're like, okay, that's the minimum. I'll go. I'll probably go faster than that. Um, and so that wasn't the, the goal of it, but I just felt so good. It was like, all right, like I can go way faster than this. And it was such a unique thing. It's been so long since I felt that way where like I ended, I think with like a, a 417 or like a 411, uh, 1k repeat again. That wasn't, you know, I'm not sitting any land speed records here, but it was like a wow. All right. Like this is a, a nice, a nice signpost or of, 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 of progress here. Because this should have felt hard. This would have felt harder, much harder two months ago, even when I was feeling good two months ago prior to that uh, 10K effort. And it was like a completely different level of fitness than I had had even in November when I was, you know, things were really going, really picking up steam. Yeah, I think is it like I, I think inadvertently you'll run faster in workouts than you did in the 5K and the 10K over the over the course of the fall. I think you're just you're just at a different level, which is kind of the point. <laughs> We're not going to break 40 in a 10K in the fall without getting to new levels. So you sh- you better be able to run 43, 44 minutes in a 10K uh, in, in the middle of sessions with jog rest or walking rest. Like that, that's going to be a part of what happens this spring um, because that's, that's where we need to get to. Yeah. And it's exciting. I love doing it. I've always loved the track workout. So that was, that was just enjoyable all the way around. All right. So we're going to get going. Is anything you want to finish with before we do? No, man. Honestly, I think you've been doing a really good job. Uh, you know, from from a coach athlete standpoint, I know I haven't. I really, I just haven't needed to to micromanage every aspect of it. You know, you know that when you can run, you run, and if it hits the fan, you take the day off. And I think you have a better recognition of it now uh, that it's not going to derail every aspect of your goal. It's okay to that one week isn't perfect. We don't need it to be perfect. We just need it to be consistent over a long period of time. Yeah. I definitely haven't stressed out about it. Yeah. That's for sure. Like I haven't, I haven't let misruns negatively affect an already crazy family life. Yeah. Which is, which is nice. Cause I know that there are definitely points in my life where like, even like a bad run would set me up. Like it was kind of like, <laughs> would set me on fire. Um, never mind like a missed one. Um, I guess on some level, I guess it gives on, on some level, some level, it can be easier to, to rationalize a misrun because at least you're not like, well, it would have gone bad. You just say, hey, it would have gone great. I just happened to miss it. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. um, <laughs> but no, I think I, I remember I was talking to Megan Mateka in the last was two episodes ago, who's now a coach at McCurdy trained and 
you know, we talked about this at length was, you know, the downward cycle that can happen after a bad workout. So I haven't had one of those in a long time. I've had some missed ones, but overall, I feel like I've done a pretty good job of not letting negativity in my running either manifest itself or like over all of a sudden become like another burden. It's just kind of like compartmentalized and I'll just kind of leave it over there. Yeah. I had, um, I had my first speed session today, uh, on the roads I did, it was very simple. It's 10 by 40 seconds with a minute easy and try to keep the minute easy at my normal easy pace. So I can kind of run whatever I want to run for the 40 seconds. So long as it doesn't force me to, to either need to stop or walk um, or run really, really slow to allow for recovery. So it wasn't meant to be that hard of a session. Um, but I was talking to another athlete who's just coming back from a break herself. And, um, and I gave, and she didn't feel very good today because she, she's just her first session off of a break. And I gave this example of, um, you got to think of yourself when you come back from a break, uh, that there you're, you're, you're a bottle of lotion and you're the gunk that is stuck in, in the tube. You got to get that out first before you, the tube runs smooth, right? So these first sessions back can feel a little heavy and it can feel a little bit, um, fatiguing more than they would normally feel. I love that metaphor. That's great. Well, I, I, I didn't come up with it. Coach Esther uh, gave me that example about three years ago, and I loved it, and I've been using it ever since. Um, and I think she got it from uh, her, her coach at the time, um, uh, Terry. Um, so in that, uh, no, she just took a two-week break, and she felt like garbage today. I'm like, listen – Imagine what my bottle feels like. I haven't done a speed session since August. Like <laughs> it's going to take me a while before I feel human again. And it didn't feel that bad. It was just my lungs were burning and it's been a while since I challenged myself. And how that relates to you is you did take a little bit of a break and you feel wonderful. So this is great. We're in a really good position. Exactly. All right. Thanks, James. All right, man. We'll talk to you. All right, folks. If you know me at all, you know that I love Inside Tracker. All right. Looking in the mirror, stepping on a scale, that's not going to tell you if you're a healthy person. You need to go deeper. You need to go inside. So, Inside Tracker, you know, it helps you be resilient, to live better, to take basically anything that comes your way and make the most of it. And the thing that they're able to do is really look at you know, your 40 some odd biomarkers let you know if you fall within the normal range of someone um, with your characteristics. And there's this huge survey you take, which is really, really deep and informative, which is exactly what you want. You want to get the most knowledge that you can about your body and where it is right now so you can make short-term and long-term changes to move you forward. And these are the things that you can't just look in the mirror and see, right? If you have an iron deficiency, ferritin, vitamin D, uh, hormone imbalances, these are the kind of things that can have a significant effect on you as an athlete and as a person, and you're just not going to know where they fall uh, for you if you if you don't you know have your blood taken and, and take a peek at what's inside and that's why they call it inside tracker for a reason and they do such good work and I'll tell you what you got to go over there now because their Black Friday type deal is about to come to an end so their ultimate plan their best plan you can save two hundred dollars on their ultimate plan but you better do it soon this baby's gonna end in a week 
in a week and you can buy all these plans too for a while. You don't have to like buy one and use it right away. You can buy one in advance. Go over to insidetracker.com. You have the link in my show notes. You go over there. The key thing here is make sure you use the code. Gift from Rambling Run. That's right. Gift from Rambling Run. You can go to the show notes to get the specific code that will save you all that dough. $200. I mean, my goodness, this is stuff you want anyway. So you might as well go there, save some dough while you're doing it, and become the best version of yourself. All right. If you've been listening to this show for really any amount of time, you know how much I love Prevenex and specifically Joint Health Plus. The health of your joints is paramount for runners of all ages, especially someone like me, 39, turning 40 in under a month. It's, don't I can't believe it. I, I can't believe it, but it's true. But frankly, no matter what your age is, the health and wellness and maintenance of your joints is so important. Joint Health Plus is an absolutely unbelievably effective supplement that I trust. I've trusted for over a year now. And if you try it for a week or two, I know that you will trust it too. In fact, they have a money back guarantee. So go to Prevnex.com and use code RUNNER15 to save 15% on your first order. Go check out Joint Health Plus. Believe me, you're going to be so glad you did. It's something that you can really do to nourish your joints because, hey, you're beating them up. You know you are with all those road miles. You love it. You love to do it. So let's have that long career and make sure that your joints are taken care of. Joint Health Plus at Prevenex.com. Matt, how's it going? It's going great. Take two. Yes. (laughs) We just pressed record and it goes, audio has uploaded. One second podcast. I know some people are probably sick of me. They probably look for the one second podcast, but we're going to go a little bit deeper this time. Yeah. Sorry, listeners, if you're disappointed. Uh, we're not breaking any records today. <laughs> there you go. Um, well, I'm excited to chat. That's for sure. Okay. I'm excited to listen to you. So we worked on adaptability quite a bit last time, and I imagine there's probably going to be some tie-ins today, but give me the fresh juice. Definitely had to use some adaptability, that's for sure. So what we had talked about was like adaptability kind of like to the treadmill, like because the kids might be home, whatever. Spoiler alert, like 10 hours after we recorded, they did say the kids are going to be home. They're still home. Uh, rumor is, is that they're going to be going back uh, next Tuesday. So I'm recording this on Wednesday, January 6th. So next Tuesday. Um, with that said, so my wife, my wife's teaching schedule got like, I think busier than I've ever seen it. And she basically was like, would wake up, do work and then go to sleep at night. I mean, that was really the extent of it for like almost 10 straight days. Um, and then we also had our dog neutered. It was, it was an appointment that was supposed to be in October and got pushed back because of my daughter who had a COVID scare. And so that happened. So all of a sudden I was like, I had like most of the par- the parenting duties and then I also had to have like eyes on the dog 24 seven so that he wouldn't get out of stitches. And because of his, like, he's got this like long puppy neck. So like the cone, the cone just didn't work. It like was a pain in the butt, but he could still get to his stitches. So I just, I just wasn't able to run really. <laughs> like so instead of like doing the 40 mile weeks it was like, Hey, new, new, new plateau, new level. Um, yeah, I like barely got to 20 one week and like didn't get to it the other week. So it was like the exact opposite. Um, and it was just like a, it was definitely a wild week, wild couple of weeks heading into Christmas. That's for sure. And then after Christmas, uh, you know, settled down a little bit, but that was a, a, certainly a wild time. Right. And I think minus your wife working around the clock and a faulty cone of shame, 
the holidays, they're just like that anyway. So I know I was in two different towns safely um, traveling. And so, I mean, there was eight days. I was, you know, just somewhere else. So I get it. So it's you got to really apply the flexibility in a situation like that. So fortunately, I mean, it was just, you know, a little bit of life getting in the way and nothing major, but still frustrating on the running into things i'm sure it was frustrating it was probably more frustrating on the work side of things um because when, when the kids are home i don't get work done during the day because i'm like just, i'm just watching them constantly um and then like and then at night it was like are right, with the dogs and then like it, it was just wild so i really didn't get a lot of work done oddly enough and i just talked with james about this yesterday i didn't feel like this animosity or regret or guilt or anything around the running. I was able, I was able to just kind of like, it's not happening. Like it's not even, it's not even an option right now. And I was able to just kind of separate myself completely. Yeah. What would that have done had you carried that around? Well, I was definitely carrying around some of that with the work stuff. So it wasn't like I was living this carefree life. Um, I guess I just wasn't carrying around two burdens, not burdens, but two like two feelings of what could have been type thing. Um, I definitely had it on the work side. I didn't have it on the exercise side. And maybe that was the reason. Maybe it was like, all right, there's only so much room in here for that feeling. Um, the other thing that is that like, you know, you think about workouts that don't go well, like that that's eaten at me in the past. I actually did a full podcast um, about this last week uh, with Megan Mateka. And this is like, these are just like workouts that didn't happen. So there's no like inherent negativity coming out of it. You can just safely assume like, Hey, that would have worked. That would have worked out. I wouldn't fine. I just didn't get to it. You know, as opposed to like, you know, actually finding, finding fault in something that, that actually happened. Um, so ultimately you came back after Christmas and got back into swing of things a little bit and felt fine. Felt totally fine. And that was nice. So I was able to really pick up where I left. Yeah, pick up where I left off. And this week will be a four. So last week was a 30 mile week. This week will be 40. And actually bumping up the easy runs to seven, seven miles, which is kind of not uncharted territory, but in the recent past, certainly uncharted territory. Well, you've worked for that. And just look at this as just a natural step. I think is James wouldn't give this to you if you weren't ready. Yeah. I think it's definitely kind of a stretch thing a little bit. Like I was, I was pretty tired yesterday, <laughs> you know, later that day after my morning run. Um, not going to lie. Uh, but it is, it is kind of exciting and I'm going to adapt on my own. Like, you know, I'll make sure it's like the flattest routes I can find as I'm kind of dialing this in as opposed to like, you know, amping up the menace by also running some hills along with the added miles. Um, so, so that's it. So that's exciting. It's funny. Like I, I definitely feel like things have really started to click. Like the foundation has been laid in the first several months. And now I feel like improvement is happening faster, which is really exciting. Like I find myself like 
doing all the things that I do when, when things are going well, like I'm analyzing workouts like a week ahead of time, really diving in. I'm, you know, constantly like shopping for running shoes. Cause I just want to run in all the shoes. I'm so excited to run. <laughs> um, you know, I'm checking the weather all the time, you know, all that stuff. And it's like, I really wasn't doing that too much in the fall. Um, again, cause I think it was just more of like, all right, it's gotta get back to it. It's gotta get back to it. Just get back to it. Where now I feel like I'm, Again, still plenty of room to go for sure, but I definitely feel like I'm back to this within the range of what I feel is like normal Matt athleticism range. Yeah, I'm definitely picking up uh, a connection that wasn't there in calls past to your training. So you're engaged, and you know, it's would I go out on a limb and say you're picking up some confidence as well? Yeah, and it's just enjoyment too. Uh, I think, I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah. Um, definitely, definitely added confidence. And this is, again, I, I kind of talked to James a little bit about this too, of like, I've morphed from, all right, like, I just want to make sure that like I can do this mileage safely and that I'm going to complete it and all this stuff. Right. Where now it's like, now I do it. I'm like, all right, the only thing I'm really worrying about is making sure that like, I don't like go too fast on my easy run. You know what I mean? We're like, completion or tiredness or consistency like that's no longer something that's weighing on me or i mean you know i'm even considering it anymore now it's like all right shoot i, I kind of finished that long run with like three straight 840s like was that all right was that within range or should i dial it back a little bit you know what i mean um type stuff which definitely like feels good it feels good to kind of have that pep um and shoot, i mean i had a workout last week which like went really really well um and I'm able to say that, like, again, in relative terms, right? Like, you know, I'm not going to look back on like, hey, if I had done this workout five years ago, how would it have gone? Like, I'm not, <laughs> not going to do that. Yeah. Um, well, no, that's not relevant to what's happening present day. No. So it's we not. don't need to go there. It's not. But that that's, that's the, that is an interesting part, too, because I was talking to someone about this of like where where I am right now and and where I need, where I want to go. So. Right now, I'm in the stage of I've been this fit before, right? So you're kind of like, in a sense, you're building. And in a sense, you're recapturing because your muscles have already done it, you know? So I'm in that still in like that, that, that recapturing phase. And I know that that goes much faster than building new fitness that you've never, never experienced. Oh, 100%. They've got that clinically proven. Yeah. So I'm definitely, I'm definitely in that recapturing phase. Uh, so I occasionally, I do like to look back at like what I've done in the past, just as a marker for like, all right, like when, when at what level would this start to morph from recapturing into more of like, all right, building, you know, where I've never gone before type stuff. Um, but this is definitely well within the recapturing range right now. Yeah. Which, you know, sounds like you're feeling good about it. You're being very purposeful with your workouts. It's not, oh, man, I hope I can complete this. It's like you were saying, it's, okay, I need to make sure that I do what I'm supposed to do. That's all that matters. Love it. It's you're just going, you're just taking it a day at a time. And you brought up the E word, enjoyment. Um, you know, I don't care what level you're at. I tell this to my pros as well, is... Yeah, we're going to have days that absolutely suck. Uh, things aren't always going to go right. But the number one thing is we need to enjoy this. Yeah, and that's definitely how I'm feeling. 
Like I'm really looking forward to these runs. You know, I'm looking forward to like, you know, at this point now, like going out and my easier runs are like a little over an hour. And it's like, that's really cool. Like I find it not only enjoyable in the moment, but I like that that's where I'm at. Like I find that like just viewing it, I find enjoying like, hey, yeah, I, I when I run, I run for 60 to 65 minutes. Like I think that I, I personally find that captivating because um, it's been such a long time since I did it. So. Yeah, I'm just, I guess, just excitement all around for sure. Um, and now it's yeah, that's just kind of significant progress. Yeah. So I think that the next, not, not that you need to have these like tent pole moments. Um, when you look, when you kind of zoom out from your, your, your training and running and stuff like that, but I am excited to that, get to that next point where we do, you know, do a, you know, a race slash time trial, um, which will probably happen at some point in the next month because I haven't done one since November 15th. So it's been a while. And, um, that was bad ligament day, correct? Yeah, that was like, it was, it was fine during the effort. Yeah. <laughs> Not so great after. Um, yeah. So even, even then when I think about that, it's more of, for me, like viewing it like, all right, I'm excited to get better at racing. Not like I'm excited to see how fit I am. Like at this point, like, I feel like there's less confusion because yeah. of repeat that for me. I'm I'm more I'm more excited to like practice the skill of racing and testing myself to like go my absolute hardest. I'm more excited to do that than to be like, oh, I wonder how fit I am and wonder if I can wonder, wonder what's going to happen during race day. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I just feel like I, I kind of know how fit I am at this point. And whether that's good or bad or whatever, like, it's not that big of a deal. I'm just excited to like work on the skill of racing because that's not something that at any point in my life, I really was something that was really dialed into. I just haven't raced a lot. And that's something that I want to get better at. And I'm excited to start going down that road in terms of improvement as well. That actually more is the mass, the essence. Uh, you're free to debate me on this or anybody else of mastering 40 than anything else is you're, you're learning truly how to be a competitor and how to be a runner. You're learning how to race. You're learning the whole mastery path that, I mean, this is going to keep us up and running, you know, till we're 80, 90 years old is if we click on that path. And because nothing you said had anything to do with times, outcomes, whatever. Yes, those are important. But what you're looking at right now is you're inevitably going to get better at racing and you're going to start seeing these times. So it's finding joy in the process. And I know that sounds really cliche, but it's true. I, it, it's funny because I don't even view it as like finding joy in the racing specifically. I think of it more like a craft that I want to get better at. Yeah. And it's just like, all right, like learning how to make sure I'm pacing myself correctly, learning like the different levels of exertion of like, okay, this is how I feel when I do X. Like I'm not surprised when it shows up. You know what I mean? Like, oh, this is how I'm supposed to feel halfway through a race effort that's under a race that's like under an hour, right? So not a marathon, right? Which is not like a heart, not like a you know a respiratory workout, right? We're talking like, all right, I'm doing these five Ks, ten Ks, or whatever. Like, I'm halfway through. This is how I'm supposed to feel. Like, do I feel good? No, but that's fine. Yep, <laughs> that's totally fine. That is, you know, perfectly normal. That's my mantra. Racing. This is normal. Yeah. So so th that craft of like noticing when these things pop up and working through them and then 
and then, you know, kind of then overcoming the, the internal governor in that last, you know, 10 to 20% of like, no, I'm not going to give in. No, I'm not going to give in. I'm not going to give in. And, and, and going through that, cause I know that that never quite dissipates, but learning how to, again, drive the car with all those passengers on board. Um, and I'm excited to start doing that again, for sure. In part, I shouldn't even say again, because I really, I've met, I've, I've worked through that sort of stuff in other sports, specifically basketball. Like I've definitely like gone to the limit in various ways in that sport. Um, even just physically, like in, you know, some, some practices, which were like a lot more running than basketball, <laughs> um, for sure. Um, but I haven't done it so much from a, from a, a, ra- a running racing perspective. Even when I like, you know, I think about even high school, you know, I was basically 400 meters and under. So it was just like, there was no pacing. It was just go run as fast as you can for as long as you can. Right. Um, and then I ran cross country, like sophomore year high school, but even that I like did like three meets, whatever. Like it, it was like such a, such a blip in my life. I don't even really recall it uh, very much. So um, it's definitely something that I'm very much a novice in. Like, I think I've raced like three times a year, you know, for the last like decade, like you know, 30 races in 10 years. Yeah, it's definitely a skill. Um, but you, it was funny you brought up basketball because that popped into my head when you were talking about a craft that I'm working on. And, you know, one thing I noticed, there's a huge difference in between a lot of especially runners, but I'll see it in triathletes and swimmers and gymnasts as well. But uh, the team sports is I noticed there's a lot less identification with performance or it's not as intense and there's multi little skills you can be working on at all times. So I'm thinking, okay, I'm sure you had to spend time in high school and college working on ball handling or working on outside shooting or something like that. We want to relate that to a race situation is obviously there's differences, but if we kind of zoom out a little bit, and be like, you know, that time I was really having a hard time hitting a shot from this. What did I do? Is I put myself in that situation more and more, wasn't comfortable. Maybe I didn't like it initially, but I got better at it. That's kind of also how pacing, racing, you know, kind of intelligent running, so to speak, uh, tends to go. Yeah. And I'm excited to really dive into that and deconstruct it as we go. And I'm just not going to worry about what the times are. You know what I mean? It's definitely going to be more of like the times will take care of themselves. If I do the training I'm supposed to do, and then I really try to master the craft of racing, like the time, if I do those two things, then I don't have to worry about the time because the time will ultimately be the best it could be in those situations. And then you have the other factors like, all right, the wind was blowing 20 miles an hour or whatever, right? Like the, 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 the uncontrollables. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm really excited to kind of like approach it from now, like this second front, um, which I think I'm trying to remember, shoot, we just had the conversation yesterday. <laughs> I can't quite remember it, but it was like, um, this month we'll be doing, I think either a 5k or a 10k time trial. Um, I think it might be a 10 K, uh, which will be interesting. Cause that is, that is the distance I'll be racing this summer for this whole thing. And then at the same time, like, I don't really have a 10 K PR. Like if I ran a 10 K, like beyond what I did in the fall, which doesn't even count really. Cause it was like, all right, don't, 
don't go too hard first half, really try hard second half, right? It really wasn't like a, a, a true 10K effort, uh, so to speak. So if I think back, if I did one, it was like mid-20s, and I don't even remember it. And even if I did, it really wouldn't be relevant. You know, it's, it's literally 15 years ago. Um, so that would be interesting. Yeah, because it it, it's just not one of those things where I can even, you know, harken back to times where I've done it, and this is how I felt, or this is how I did when I had certain fitness or whatever. You know, it would be, it would be kind of a, a new venture all the way around. Right. So what do you think that means? Or like how... You know, I'm kind of thinking like you kind of have this not blank slate. That's not, you know, probably the best way to put it. But there's really not this burden of expectations, is there? No, not really. Like I'm, I'm like pulling up the V dot app right now. Just I'm curious. Like what would what would the V dot app say my 10k pace is right now? Um, according to like so on V dot, someone has V dot. I'm right now a 45.0. Point of my training, um, I'm one of those people who like I outperform the V dot score. I like at like track workouts. I usually underperform it on like sustained efforts, like tempo runs and threshold runs and stuff like that. I know some people fall into different camps. I'm much more like on the anaerobic side. Um, of things. I think McMillan has a calculator where you can actually choose one of the buttons. Like, are you more anaerobic or or aerobic? And then so you pick like a level and it like shifts it a little bit depending on your natural makeup. So, um, yeah. So on here, it says like roughly 715 to 720 pace V dot. So V dot equivalent of like a 45 and change 10 K or so. So that's, that's really great that you outperform your paces usually in workouts. But I think with the sustained efforts, and this may be something that I need to pin on the bulletin board for us to work on uh, probably before your effort, is, okay, how do we help that translate into a sustained situation or a racing situation? Yeah, and I think part of it, too, is just like how that number is calculated. So it's not even that I underperform anything necessarily. It's that oftentimes when those things get created, it's like usually based on efforts that you've done recently. Right. Or how you're doing in workouts. So it's like because I'm more tailored to some of those shorter distances type stuff, especially initially a couple of years ago, um, that, that that's what would create the number in the first place. As opposed to like if that, you know, that number slash pacing system was was derived simply from my threshold workouts or tempo workouts. Ultimately, I mean, it might be a different number. You know what I mean? It, it's a guide. It's not an absolute. Right. Yeah, exactly. So um, so I think be, because I, I, I typically have done more of the track workout stuff than the threshold stuff that it's it's probably better for James to construct my workouts using that as the guide since that's what I'm actually doing. Yeah, that that does create like the the chicken and egg thing, though, of like, well, if that's what you're usually doing. <laughs> and, and the other we don't thing, want to get in the weeds too much. We don't we don't need to get in the weeds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I hear you. <laughs> as, as I'm talking about thinking like, well, maybe that's part of the reason why I'm not so good at sustaining those efforts. I don't do very much. Um, but, you know, anyway, again, it comes down to deliberate practice is OK. This is the purpose today. My purpose is to. You know, just like you said, move the governor a little bit is I want to make it to this mark sustaining the same pace or something like that. Or I want to tolerate this discomfort just a little bit longer. Here's what I'm going to say. You know, all those all those things to kind of set you up. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, 
but yeah, so that's, that's where I'm at. That's what I'm looking forward to doing over the next couple of weeks. And, um, yeah, hopefully the kids will be back in school. So I'm able to, mm-hmm. <laughs> some of the time. Well, I mean, just, just think about it though, is you're making it work regardless. Um, I mean, you've come such a long way in the area of the black or white thinking, um, and just kind of just carrying stuff in that doesn't necessarily need to be there. So proud of what you've done so far. I appreciate that. You bet. So this is where it starts really getting fun for me is because I start to see the growth and the development and stuff like that mentally with athletes is, you know, it's concepts that were either foreign or unbelievable at first are start, you know, they, they kind of start to work themselves in as you usually, as you get physically fitter, you get mentally fitter as well. So we're seeing both of those overlap a little bit. So what what do you what mindset do you need to make sure we continue this uh, process in the direction that it's going? I think the one of the main things is um, not being not settling for like the current good feelings. So when I've had sustained success, um, not long term, but it's kind of like medium term. Sustained medium-term success, um, I definitely have a habit of being like, all right, that was great. Um, no need to get to that next level. Let's just, let's just chill out right here. You know what I mean? Like, definitely like the, hey, you know, B plus is good enough. B plus is totally fine. You know, um, no need to, no need to go crazy here. Um, and that has definitely been part of like so many different areas of my life. That belief is the thing we have to dismantle. Yeah. Like I can, I can definitely say I've never excelled, like really and truly excelled. And I don't, I'm not going to act like every other person has, and I'm the only one that hasn't, but I can also say unbiased, you know, in an unbiased eye, like I've never like truly excelled at anything. Right. Like I did play college basketball, but it was also for like a D3 school that wasn't that great. You know what I mean? So like, you know, like I have this like running podcast is doing really well, but it's not like, you know, I've, I have friends who get like five times the listens that I get, you know what I mean? Um, so like I can sit here and be like, I've done things I've, I've done well, but I've never like truly excelled at something. Um, and in this sense, like I know I'm never going to be like in the Olympic trials in the 10 K, but I, when I think of excelling, I mean like really getting every, like reaching my personal potential and limit. Um, and I've never, and so that for me, it's, it's in that same scope of like, okay, let's, let's not just start tapping the brakes for no reason. You know what I mean? Let's right, right, keep right, the right. foot on the gas um, while keeping it within reason of the other parts of your life. Yeah. And, and I think it's just going to kind of come down to, you know, basically one run at a time is, you know, I'm going to show up today. And even if you don't believe that you can do what James has for you is, you know what, let's just humor him and see what we got. So, you know, that that's kind of a strategy. But one thing I want to kind of suspend before we close, and you don't have to answer this right now. um, And I think this is a this is a great thing for all of us to think about and refine is what does it actually mean to be successful? Like, how do we even begin to define that? Um, cause I know everybody kind of has a different bent on that, but we kind of want to think, okay, you know, what am I going after? What feeling, you know, what, what is it? 
Right. And, and I think, you know, for me, it really does depend on the, uh, the activity. Right. So like, if like, say like, all right, so I wash the dishes in our house, being successful at washing the dishes, these plates don't have to like be presented in the Louvre. Right. Like for me, right. successful <laughs> means I got them done when they needed to be done by. Right. Right. So like the same thing, like I reached like basically like the minimum, like the, the from, a, from a quality and time perspective, I reached like I reached the standard done. Right. Ready to ship. Boom. Done. Um, You know, with the podcast, same thing. Like, I don't expect every conversation to be like NPR quality and all this stuff, right? It's like it reached a certain level. It's reached the, the standard that I'm used to giving to my the audience. Boom. Time to ship it. From from this pursuit, the goal for me is different. It's I want to see what my outermost limit is in terms of fitness and running. And that's a whole that's a completely different thing. It's like there aren't many areas of my life where I'm like, I'm striving for excellence in this. Right. Um, I don't think I'm really doing that in any area of my life. You know what I mean? It's like, all right, I want to get to a certain standard that I'm comfortable with. This endeavor is different. It is about reaching the outermost limit of my potential. And so because of that, it's completely different from all of these other things. Yeah. And, and I would say excellence that becomes, uh, and I'm butchering Aristotle here, daily habits, create the excellence. Right. So it, it's more, it's as much a practice as it is something else. But anyway, again, I'm trying not to get us too much in the weeds, but is we want to think, okay, you know, it, it, is it this curiosity that I'm trying to, trying to satisfy? Is it just, me being able to beat myself in a certain moment, you know, we want to be kind of, kind of working on that. And that's probably going to be an ongoing thing with your running is okay. What is the best I've got? So. Yeah, no, I'm feeling good. Progress is coming, is coming steadily. Um, I'm at that, I'm at that point of the range. So I'm excited about that. And there's going to become a time where progress might come a lot slower. And I understand that. And, but I'm not there right now, so I'm going to enjoy I'm going to enjoy this part that I'm in. Yeah. Oh, 100%. So, yeah, as long as, you know, you, you finish your run, good run, bad run, you know, maybe you were just bored out of your mind for whatever reason is, okay, did I do what I needed to do to move myself a little bit forward today? You did that. You did your job. Uh, guess what? We repeat the next day. So, so anyway, again, I mean, this is, this is good stuff. All right. Thank you so much. Oh, you're very welcome. Great work. Adrian, James, as always, thank you so, so much. Also, big shout outs to my sponsors, Tracksmith, Prevenex, and Inside Tracker, making it happen on the inside and the outside, all these brands really helping me figuring out what I need to do, how I need to do it, and, and basically make sure that I'm doing all the right things that I can control to get me to my goals and hopefully maybe even farther than that. We'll see. Uh, but I'm really excited. If you're listening to this episode, you might be thinking, hey, this is what I'm talking about. I want to do stuff like this. I want to reach the next level of my running. And I want you to reach the next level of your running too. Next weekend, January 15th, through the 17th, the Rambling Runner Virtual Summit will be here. Go check it out. We're going to have live Q&As with some of the best speakers 
in the running industry, all very tailored to, to specific topics affecting dedicated amateur runners who want to reach the next level in their running career. In addition, exclusive content. All this stuff is going to be out video in video and audio form after the fact, and you will have lifetime access to all of it. So what are you waiting for? Go check it out. The Rambling Runner Virtual Summit at theramblingrunner.com forward slash summit. There's also, as always, a link in the show notes for that. Go check it out today. Thank you so much for listening and happy running. This has been a production of Rambling Runner Podcast. This podcast is produced by David Margetti of InPost Media. Thank you to Meta P for the music. His song, Righteous Path, featuring Rex Mayhem and Chip Fu, is produced by Symphonic Bang. Yeah. Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest of states these days. Just representation of storm brewing, amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. I'm trying to show this industry I got.